Hello again, everybody. Cool Button Uncensored Hockey Podcast. Episode 19 is on the air. I'm Steve Coolies in the home office. I'm not sure where Craig is, a.k.a. David Letterman. He's got the specs on. You look like David Letterman. You know, are, are you going to interview someone really famous right now, Dave? Stupid human well, tricks? Well, well, we could have stupid human tricks, right? Where's Paul Schaefer with the uh, introductory music? Like, I, I need Paul. Great Canadian, right? And uh, you know what? Like, if I'm interviewing, see, I, one of my great things, I think of Johnny Carson, the night show, he used to introduce Robin Williams. And he used to say, now my good friend, Robin Williams. And Robin would carry the segment if it was 10, 12 minutes. And then at the end, it, Johnny Carson would say, thank you, Robin, for joining us. I think you're a lot like Robin Williams. You don't need me. I could just say, here's Steve Coolius, go, okay? <laughs> that, that, that's not true. We've got this, uh, we got this magic chemistry. You know, it's almost like, uh, you know, Clark Barber and Leach and Trache Bossing, Gillies and Gretzky Curry and everything. At least we think so. Maybe others don't, <laughs> but, but at least we think so. Johnny Carson had a great line. Now, I, he was just ending when I was starting and really watching and you admire people and what they did. Johnny had a great line. He couldn't believe how some Hollywood celebrities would come to the show, sit beside him, and not bring it. He said, don't you get it? The red light's on. Sell your movie. Sell your book. Sell your music. They used to sit there, some of them, and Johnny would just say, I don't know how anybody would come to this show. Not that it's me, and I did it for 30 years, Johnny Curtis, but it's the Tonight Show. Now, it's now <laughs> starring Joe, and how they wouldn't bring it. And that's what people have said about us. Craig, when the red light is on, don't Cindy Brady me. Don't freeze. Come up with something. And for those of our vintage, they're going to say, I remember that. That was such a great Hollywood moment, Greg. Hey, listen, it, it, it was a great Hollywood moment. How about if we just talk about a hockey game? Now, you know when the puck drops? You yep. know, it's game on, right? It's game, game on. one. What are you going to do? Stand there? And not try to get the puck? No. You get going, right? Let's go. Well, speaking, of, speaking of, like, let's go. Yeah. Vancouver Canucks, Stevie. Because Vancouver Canucks. Okay, so we've talked about this for a couple of weeks now. And what we have, and we've talked about it. Like, you know, Jeff Molson, Francesco Aquilini in Vancouver, they, they have to put a stake in the ground. Well, boy, did they put a stake in the ground, both of them. You know, and now we have uh, two new regimes uh, taking place in both Montreal and Vancouver. But big news on Sunday uh, after the, quite frankly, you know, Vancouver looks like a dispirited team. Uh, they, they got obliterated by the Pittsburgh Penguins on Saturday night. Gensel, Crosby go in there and they say, oh, yeah, you're wounded? <laughs> Wait till you see the end of the game. You're going to be even more wounded. Well, I guess if you want to get your management coach fired, you throw a sweater on the ice. It happened in Montreal, right? And it happened in Vancouver. No. So. So I, I guess that's this, uh, believe me, it's happened a lot in Toronto. It just took Harold a lot of years to finally make some of the moves in an older administration. So Travis Green, five years. I mean, five years flies by. I guess at a certain point, you can still be a good coach, but it's just not working. So now Bruce Boudreau, I texted him on Sunday. I said, Bruce, congratulations. If you need an unpaid advisor, I'm here. And he goes, yeah, yeah, I knew you'd say that. How would you know I would say that? I didn't even know, Bruce, I was going to say it. So in comes Bruce for a year and a half. He's got the resume, coach of the year. We know he's been a great regular season coach. The playoffs, he admits, has been another story, but this is about the regular season. What do you expect from Bruce? If you're Bruce, what do you do on day one when you get to Vancouver? 
Hang on there a second, Mr. Coolius. Okay. I'm going to just like give you some friendly advice. Okay. Unpaid. You, you deserve to be paid. Don't, don't just offer up your services for nothing. Like you've got lots of ideas and you've got lots of uh, experience. Don't, 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 enough of this unpaid stuff. Bruce Boudreaux is not looking for volunteers. He's looking for competent people. I see you as that. Hey, listen, Thank remember you. when Bruce Thank took you. over the uh, Washington Capitals? Remember yep. when Bruce took over? Like, like they were mired. They were mired like in, in, in this slumber. I'll call it a slumber. And, you know, that's my word of the day, slumber. And the Vancouver Canucks are in a slumber. Bruce is magnificent working with skill. He's he, And look what he did with that Washington Capitals team. You know, and, 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 you know, all the skill they have, they have lots of good players in there. Right. And then he took them and, and helped them rise up. He, he did he help them rise up. I think that Bruce can go and do exactly the same thing in Vancouver. The strength of their team is their forwards. The strength of their team is their offensive skill. I, I've said this, you and me have talked about this. Travis Green was trying to protect the weakness of their team at the expense of the strength. Bruce is going to say, let's go Elias Pettersson. Let's go Brock Besser. Let's go JT Miller. I think they're going to be absolutely excited about playing for Bruce Boudreaux. That's awesome. And I like what you said. So you don't concentrate on your weakness, but the weakness is parts of the defense. So even with Hamannick back and Myers, they've got a lot of bodies on the right side. You, you called this at the start of the year. You called that if the Vancouver Canucks are in trouble and you called them as a non-playoff team and you pointed to their defense. So is Bruce going to try to win five, four games? How does he massage the weakness of his team? We believe they've got a good goalie. We believe they've got good forwards and they got two defensemen, let's say, that we like a lot, right? And, and others that are NHL defensemen but have some, some issues. How does he massage the sore calf while getting the most of the muscle up front, Craig. Get the most of the muscle. Listen, when you, like, there's a couple of layers to this, I think, Steve. You know, Thatcher Demko is a real top-notch goalie in my view, right? So, like, and, and he's got a long-term contract. He, 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 you're not looking to Thatcher. He's not trying to get into a position where, you know, he's trying to get a contract and show what he's worth and the numbers and everything. He, he signed, sealed, delivered. So now you just go, if it's me, I'm going to Thatcher. Thatcher, be ready. Be ready. You're going to get some chances against you. And, you know, Elias, Brock, JT, Connor Garland, you know, all you guys up there, right? Like, we're going. It's go time. And you know what? We can't protect the blue line that, that, that isn't strong enough. Like, so until we, can, until we can add better players on the blue line, it's, it's going to be a weakness. So what we're going to do? Yeah, you're right. We're, we're going. We're going to win 7-4. If it's 7-5, that's okay. Thatcher, don't worry. We got your back, and you got our team's back. We're going. We're going. And like I said, I understood what Travis was trying to do, and you certainly – I never think it's a good idea ever, 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 ever – am I clear on my never, ever, ever – to – Try to protect your weakness at the expense of your strength. It never works. So is it too late to say what? this season? Yeah, the playoffs are over for the Vancouver Custody. I mean, I keep talking about the math and the math and the math and the math, okay? We know that there's examples of, of teams that like, 
It's rare. It's rare. And I look at the math. I look at the numbers. Sorry. No, not happening. So if it's over for Vancouver, it's over for Montreal, but they've made changes. Where's Philly in the mix? Oh, it, it, like, how about this? Are they not next on the clock? They are. If it was a game, right? If it was the gong show, uh, JP Morgan and uh, Chuck Berry, they gonged Montreal. <laughs> they gonged Vancouver. When we come back, the Philadelphia Flyers, and you're sitting there going, here they go. If I'm a fly, I, I better go back and watch the video again. Because in watching Sunday's game, I'm not blaming Carter Hart for the Matthew Joseph goal. First of all, I don't know how it still got in. Like he fanned on it, and Carter Hart still did. Oh my goodness. Like that was a discombobulation of a season that's gone. Like the Islanders aren't making any changes. We get it. That's different. Lou and Barry, this is a mulligan. This is when you get to the course with a lot of NHLers who I've golfed with. You know what, Craig? They always only get four and fives. And you know what they do when they get on the course and they hit one into the woods? They do a mulligan. Well, this season will be a mulligan for the New York Islanders. So they're different. Montreal's made a move. They got gone. Vancouver got gone. Islanders have a mulligan. So Philadelphia now, that's as bad as it gets. Now people are talking about trading Giroux if he wants to, Vino, Fletcher. Have we seen the dominoes like this? We've got elites, like we've got, you know, Selling Sunset. I've seen that show with the agents. We've got Selling Sunset and people in the Florida and Carolina and all these teams up there in the elite. And then here, now Philadelphia is next. I ask you, Watson, what happens next? If you are the Flyers, what are you doing to get out of this funk? Knowing that Montreal made a move and Vancouver made a move as well. Well, okay. So like, I'm not one to sit here and like, I can sit here and say, so Chuck is the president and John Madden. He made a lot of changes in the off season, right? I, I, me and you have talked about this. Okay. Prior to the, to the pause in March of 2020, I, 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 I was watching the flyers and I'm going, this is a pretty good team. I, I like them. I, I think that they're, I think that they're a team that you got to pay attention to. So the pause happened. And then, you know, you know, the, the season started again. And, and I, I've said this to you, you know, I, I, I was, I was kind of following Philadelphia. I'm going, hey, I, I kind of like the way they play. I think they have some strengths. And then Montreal got a hold of them and they won that series. They won that series. And I'd, and I'm just yeah exactly Steve just uh, j- just by the by the by the hair on their chinny chin chins and and at that moment in time I, I went oh my god like I said no more I'm off this Flyers bandwagon and guess what since that point in time the Flyers have done absolutely nothing zero to to make me think differently last season poor now Chuck goes and makes all these changes this year in the player personnel poor okay. What's the next domino? Well, I, I would have to say that uh, either Alain Vigneault needs to come up with some solutions really fast, or there's going to be somebody else coming up with solutions. It's shocking that it has all happened at the same time, only because there has been some postseason, not regular season for Vancouver or for Montreal, but Montreal, Vancouver, and Philly have had some success, and the Islanders too, but we're kind of putting them in the mulligan category. Like they, they've had, this isn't rebuild, 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 rebuild. This has been the Flyers, oh, 
oh, they were there. And yeah, they beat Montreal. Maybe they shouldn't have been, but they have a lot of talent. And we start naming off their players and everything else. And then you say, Montreal, not two good regular seasons, but boy, oh boy, did they deliver in the playoffs. And we talk about being a playoff league. Vancouver, they were, Demko made a name for himself in the bubble. How quickly you can go from the outhouse to the penthouse or from the penthouse to the outhouse and then make changes. It makes me think, really believing if what those teams had when they had it was either sustainable or believable. Like I start to look back and think, was it a paper fire and it fooled us, Jerry? Or in the moment they were pretty good, but then there was nothing coming underneath. I look at who are the, Joel Farabee supposed to be the best young flyer prospect. He's hurt now, hasn't gone well this year. Who's replacing Couturier and Ben Reemsdijk and Giroux? Who? So guys were signed in the back end. There's been injury issues. Hayes has been hurt. Ellis has been hurt. I, that's true. But then you sit there and wonder, did they de- delay the inevitable? And, and I don't know. And you jumped off the flyer bandwagon. That's the wrong division to have trouble with, right? To get in. Now, now I wonder, and we're never advocating for anyone to either stay or go, depending on what we know these people. I, I know Travis Green, and he's been great to us. It's not my job to, to save him if he, if he doesn't deserve to be saved or save him because he's a friend. That's way above our pay grades. So now I watch and see Philadelphia and think, hmm. And then if they really wanted a Jeff Gordon or Bruce Blue or whatever, then you've been in the spot before. They're kind of gone. So what happens as a manager when you talk to the president or the owner and then, I don't know, panic sets in? Like Philly tonight, their fans have gone to the airport and are booing successful plane landings because they're angry my friend like they are angry i don't know what i would do from here like sometimes i have to say this i don't i'm speechless i don't know what to do with the flyers because they're not tear it down and they're not close like they're in that area of no man's land which you've taught me before is the worst place to be in our sport okay so 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 i'm really clear on this like i'm like i'm not going to say that, that, uh, unless somebody like, you know, like, you know, it's so obvious that you say, hey, they have to be replaced. Here's the job of a coach. Your job of a coach is to instill a system of team play where you can have success. And when you when you have struggles with your system of team play, how are you adjusting? What, what solutions are you coming up with? It's the coach's domain to find solutions to the problems. Now, it's either up to Alain Vigneault to find solutions to the problems that plague the Philadelphia Flyers, or you'll have to find somebody else to find the solutions. It's, it's straightforward, Steve. It has nothing to do with people I like or don't like. I, you know me. I like, to, I, I like everybody, okay? Alain Vigneault has lots of success in this league. It's not about what he's done. I need a coach right now that can find solutions. And I know how hard the coaches work to find solutions, but if you can't find them, you need, you make a change. And you know, we're the Philadelphia Chuck Fletcher made a lot of changes in the off season, he made a lot of changes. Like, like I, I, I dare say this. I'm not so sure Chuck's not finding himself in the same place in Philadelphia that he was in for a long time in Minnesota, nowhere land, <laughs> nowhere land. You know what? You you were good enough to go nowhere, <laughs> and and you weren't bad enough to be to be nowhere, right? So you know this Philadelphia Flyers team, it, it it is not very good. And this isn't last week. This isn't one last game against the Tampa Bay Lightning. This has been 
like a, a lot. This has been return to play last season, and now a, a, a third of the way through this season. That's where they're at. Not a very good team. Yeah. If, if it was me and you, you know, like uh, Berkey and Hextall took over the Penguins, you'd sit there and say, well, first the, the boss says, no, I want to win now. You said, okay, if we're going to go in the left lane and try to win now, it's going to come at the expense of something, whatever picks or prospect we have in the organization. I wouldn't recommend it, boss, but you've hired us. You almost need to drive the 18-wheeler down the road, off the cliff, and say, oh, you're right. We, we're not good. We're 10th. So now what? Now we have to make decisions on Giroux and Couturier and some of these other guys. And it's, it's, it's easier now because I have a sample size. You have a sample size. 10 games, that's, that's a small sample size. 25 games, if it looks like a duck and quacks like a duck after 25 games, it's either a really good impersonation, Rich Little, or it's a duck. And I look at this team, and if it's really about winning the cup, or really about making the playoffs, Carolina, Washington, Rangers, Tampa, Florida, Toronto. Those six spots are gone, I think, in the East. They're gone. There's two left. You got Boston over here. Maybe Detroit's going to tickle uh, some you know, feathers and get us excited. Okay, then over here, what do we have? Well, the Islanders are now out. Where's Columbus? So Philly might say, oh, maybe. We'll try everything just to get in. Don't forget about Pittsburgh. Oh, and Pittsburgh. Okay, Okay. Pittsburgh would be seven, then Philly would be eight. We do everything to get in to play Philly's not eight. Philly's not good. Like, if they get in, like I said, when when I use that comparison to Minnesota, Minnesota got in the playoffs, didn't matter. They they were still nowhere. They were nowhere. Now you watch. You did, and I know you did, okay? Like, I know. Saturday night, Toronto, Minnesota. Like, you, oh. who wants to play Minnesota come playoff time? Yeah, yeah. The, you know Nobody. what? Think about Billy Garen and think about last year against Vegas. Do you know why I was confident that Montreal could beat Vegas in the, in the conference semifinal? I'll tell you why. Because I saw how Minnesota took Vegas to game seven. And Carey Price is a better goaltender than Cam Talbot. And, you know, and, and ultimately Montreal, because of the way they play, they, Montreal in the playoffs played exactly how Minnesota played. And, you know, that Minnesota team is hard and they're good, right? And that's what I mean. So, like, what do you, like, I get Chuck, Chuck's got experience. He, he made some changes in the offseason. Great. I just know Philadelphia, you talk about cheering successful landings. The Philadelphia sports market is intolerant of this type of play from their sports teams. Intolerant. I can tell you right now, if Mr. Snyder was still alive, changes would have happened right now. I was going to go there. I didn't. You did. I'm <laughs> glad you did because it would have already have happened. Yes, it would have. There would have yep. there, there would be no dithering, not with Mr. Snyder. Yeah. You know what? You know when Mr. Snyder goes, oh, it looks like a duck. It walks like a duck. It quacks like a duck. I didn't get in the business of buying ducks. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, you mentioned Minnesota. That, that was a great game. So, so is where's Minnesota in the ever-changing central landscape? We've never seen the like we haven't seen the real abs. We talk about game shows of the 70s to tell the truth. Remember, people would tell a story and they'd start to stand up. And I, I loved it. I'm a TV junkie of that time frame. So now you start to go, hmm, Minnesota. Why not Minnesota? If we're going to say 
Vegas and Edmonton and Calgary and uh, probably like Minnesota better than Winnipeg, right? I see less issues in Minnesota than I see in Winnipeg. And then there's Dallas. No, like I look at Minnesota now and I'm very impressed. Well, as you should be, but don't sleep on Winnipeg. Winnipeg went through a little bit of a scoring drought. Okay. Just like Toronto went through a little bit of a scoring drought, but they were doing a lot of things. Well, take the Winnipeg game out, uh, like take the Winnipeg game versus Minnesota out of the equation. They were playing good games. They couldn't find a way. They scored 14 goals here <laughs> in the oh, last few games. Okay. Yes, because yes. they have too much offensive talent. And, and when I say there's a difference between, I, I think they'll score to, I know they'll score. It's the same way I felt about Toronto. I, I knew they were going to score because they were doing so. And I feel the same thing about Winnipeg, but let's go back to Minnesota. Okay. Cause okay. Minnesota is where we're at. Yeah. You know, let me ask you this question. Was there a statement play in the Saturday night game between Toronto and Minnesota that stood out to you? A statement play. You mean uh, Jordan Greenway's goal, or do you mean? Um... I'm not asking you. I'm just, was there something that stood out to you? Because I'm going to tell you what stood out to me after it. And maybe you don't have something, but I mean, maybe there's a multiple. Well, I thought there's a lot of things that I liked about Minnesota's game uh, throughout. I thought the pay, I, at one point, I thought we were playing running time. Oh. And I was so, imp- I, I was so impressed. Um, so if I have one, I mean, I like the Greenway play because um, maybe he won't score like some thought earlier. But he provides that physicality. Uh, Felino, there's a Hartman. There's just a lot of blood and guts on Minnesota that that, that I like. So, uh, was there one moment? I think I got a lot of moments, Jerry. I got a lot of moments, okay. Jerry. But you just touch it. You, you led me right to where, without even no rehearsal here. No rehearsal. We're ad libbing this, folks. We're we're just playing it off like you know what? We're, it's like Larry David. Here's my beginning. Here's my end. You guys run the middle. Anyway, so you talk about blood and guts. When Matty Dumba stood up and laid out Pierre Engvall, it was like, oh, yeah? And he stood there, and he said, anybody, 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 anybody? Like, you know what? That's a a hard team. It's a skilled team. It's a good thing. How about Kirill Kaprizov? Like, we're talking about top 25 players in the league. Like, Like, he is brilliant, and he's only getting better. But when Matty Dumba stood up, and hammered Engel. And it was like, okay, this is how the game's going to go. <laughs> and Toronto was in the game. Don't get me wrong. I'm not suggesting it was more about Minnesota going, yeah, here we are. <laughs> Bring it on. Bring it on. I, I, I love what Billy Guerin's done. I love what Billy Guerin said. I'm buying out Suter and Prezi. They're not part of our future. That's what he said. He said, I'm putting a stake in the ground. You guys, too bad. You guys have performed well, whatever. You're not here anymore. We're moving on. I love what Billy Guerin has done. I love Dean Evison. I love the way the Minnesota Wild play. Well, look at the record under Dean Evison. Look at their record under – and they didn't know what to do with Hartman. They were kind of weak down the middle. They didn't have that star superstar. Uh, They paid Joel Erickson Eck, Koivu's retirement, and they said to Hartman, how about from the right side down the middle? And look what he's done with Caprizov and Zuccarello. Like, oh. like I thought to myself, Hartman, yeah, you might, Robin, you might. Let me see it to believe it. And now you see it and he's scoring it. And that's why you need to look outside so many boxes and say, listen, and that's what a coach does. And that's what Dean Everson does. We'll do this 
And at least we'll see if it doesn't work. But don't tell me something will never work that we've not yet tried. And they did. And it worked. And that's why this, the while, I'll be honest with you, Dean was on the show this week, okay? First of all, they owe me a whistle. And you're right. I was on paid advisor for him. So Boudreaux wants me. He's got to cough up some Sazich. Oh, Jimmy, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. You know, and I did help the wild power play. But anyway, I say this much. <laughs> I, I say this much. So, Dean, I, we did our shows together at the score in TSM. We didn't watch the wild. We watched Marion Gabrick a little bit, Craig. But we didn't watch the wild. You know why? Boring. Losing. We have the East games. And then the later sexiness of the West games. The 8, 8.30 wild was, yeah, that's okay. But it's changed with Billy and Dean. It's changed with KK97. It's changed. Like, they got something going on there. I wish I was at that game. Like, I wish, like, that's hockey. Like, that's oh, the reason yeah. the show's called <laughs> That's Hockey. That is hockey. And if they're, like, if I'm the Avalanche, I'm worried about the wild. If I'm Vegas, I'm worried about the wild. If you're not worried about the wild, you're, you're not paying attention. That's what I would say. Everybody in the league should be. Everybody in the league should be worried about the wild. I don't care who you are. I don't care who you are. They can they can play with anybody. They can beat anybody. They're, they're a good team. You know, you, you, you talk about that, though, and you talk about Ryan Hartman. So I've watched Ryan Hartman play for a long time. Love his dad. His dad's, his dad's name is Craig. So obviously there's... Nice guys. <laughs> loves you. Loves you. Yeah. But Ryan, Ryan's always been a hard competitor. I mean, he was a first-round draft pick, Steve. He was a first-round draft pick. So it, it becomes a little bit wayward for him. But but keeping this in mind, he, he ended up in uh, Nashville, right? Remember when he ended up in Nashville? Well, did he do anything there? It doesn't matter. Dean Everson was in Nashville. Oh. So Dean Everson had some had some organizationally with him, right? So now he's going like, well, I saw some things in this guy. And, and to your point, right? Like, you know, you, you got to see it and, 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 and try something different. Well, Dean was like, okay, well, there was, there was some glimpses here and he'd be in on the, on the player reports. He'd be in on talking about like evaluations. So now he's got him there. Ryan's always been a big time competitor. He's always had, a, I think what's happened with Ryan when he went to Chicago, it was a different time. They, they were asking him to be something different. And, and I think he tried to be that hard-nosed guy. Then when he went to Nashville, he was like that guy that they wanted to be more like he was when he was drafted in the first round. I think Dean's found that balance with him. I think Dean has found that balance of skill and will and, and, and has allowed Ryan to just be himself. To just be him. He, he's a smart player and he's a Big time competitor. We've seen this before with players that, you know, take a little bit of time to find their way. But the coach, the coach, the coach, the coach has taken these players and he said, here's who you are. Matty Dumba, here's who you are. Jonas Brugin. Oh, oh, God, I love Dean Everson. I love Billy Guerin. I love them. <laughs> I love, do you know what I love, Steve? I love that they have the courage of their convictions. They said, you know what? We're going to do this and damn the torpedoes. We're not worried about, oh my God, we're going to be favored or somebody's going to like what we're doing. We're doing it because this is what we believe in, to your point. You know what? That's what you got to do. If you haven't tried it, why not try something? So trying something is what Montreal has done with Jeff Gordon. And then this new general manager, I watched the news conference. I liked his attempt at French. It's going to go over well there. Um, Waz name came up. He says, I've heard of him. It was kind of funny. 
any idea where this direction will go? You and I talked about on my radio show about who's in charge. And I know it's bullpen by committee. You've been Bob Ganey and you told some great stories that no one ever makes all the decisions by himself. That's that, that doesn't work and you don't need the ego to do it. So Gordon and, and blank, what are you hearing? Can it work? Could it be war? Is that unrealistic? So when, when a decision has to be made eventually, is it Gordon's or is it the new guy, uh, Danny Briere, Matthew Darsh? You, 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 you tell me where this is going because it's the Canadian. It's sexy who this spot is. I have no idea. Like, listen, I'm not, I'm, I'm not one that, 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 that's here hearing about this thing. I know there's, I know there's going to be candidates whose names are going to surface. Patrick Waugh's name surfaces. All I would direct you back to is, Patrick Waugh had a lot of say in Colorado. It was a disaster. Okay. So the first thing, if I'm Jeff Gordon and I'm considering Patrick Waugh, please explain to me what happened in Colorado. I'm not going to rule anybody out, but I need an understanding of what happened. Because when I say disaster, Steve, it was a disaster, like in, in multiple ways. So I, I and, but, and, and Patrick can't get out of his own way. I'm going to say this. He, he, he keeps going back. Since 1993, since 1993, that's 28 years ago, Patrick. Like, you know what? There's a lot of things that have happened. Like, oh, like like when you last won the Stanley Cup. There, there's been some positives in Montreal and everything. But, like, you know what? Let's be careful about going all the way back to 1993. Jeff Gordon knows the principles. He knows a lot of the people. He, here's what I'm going to say, and I'm going to be very clear on it. I try to always be clear. Sometimes I'm more clear. You are clear. You're clear. Okay. Jeff Bolson said he wants more voices in the decision-making process. Jeff Gordon is ostensibly the president of hockey operations. It's no different than Brendan Shanahan or Brian Burke. Okay. And he's going to hire somebody that's going to come in and they're going to work together. Does it mean that Jeff Gordon is going to say, no, we're not making that trade. The general manager is going to be allowed to do the work of a general manager. But let's just say, let's just say that Jeff is going to bring in Matthew Darch, right? How lucky is Matthew Darch to come into a situation in Montreal where he has an experienced manager there to help him? Like, I mean, that's, that's beautiful. I wish I had that when I went to Calgary. I like, I, I worked with a great general manager, Bob Gainey. I worked with, with great people like Doug Armstrong and Les Jackson, and Dan Stuckel. I wish I had somebody that could help me in my first role as a general manager. Do, do, I like Matthew Darch. I think that he's got real potential, but how lucky to have Jeff Gordon there. This isn't a negative in any way. This isn't about, oh, who's going to have the power? Who's going to have the final say? If I'm Matthew Darch going, wow, wow, I get to, and, and Jeff can say, hey, listen, I'll tell you a story. I'll tell you a story. Dean Lombardi went to hire, and Dean had lots of experience. He went to hire Daryl Sutter in, in, this, in the, in the, uh, in the uh, fall of 2011. And Tim Lewicki, who's who, who is an excellent sports executive, he said to Dean, he said, okay, I know what you're trying to do. I know that you have a relationship with, with Daryl. And, and they went through the whole process. What does Daryl mean? What could it mean for you? Is he the right guy? And Dean, Dean convinced Tim Laiwicki that he was the right guy. So Tim Laiwicki, now he had to ask those questions, right? But he left Dean the opportunity to make the decision, right? But he had to ask the questions as, as, as the president of the organization. Right. And then Tim was satisfied. 
what ends up happening? They win the Stanley Cup, right? Like, so th- there's nothing wrong with asking the question. And I think that's the benefit of having Jeff there. Like you bring in a young general manager, you bring in, okay, wh- are, what are you thinking here? And, and Jeff, I worked with Al McNeil. Al McNeil, who's got more than one the Stanley Cup in 71 management experience. Yeah, I would sit down and I would throw something at Al. And Al would go, Craig, I remember 1977. And he would go through a story and I go, okay, I got it. We're not doing that. (laughs) (laughs) Right? I think it's an absolute benefit. I I love what Jeff Molson has done. Listen, it's never easy to see people. uh, You know, I I, I saw Trevor Timmons. You know, a lot of people are saying Trevor Timmons. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Let me just tell you who he's drafted in his time there. Hart Trophy winner, Carey Price. Second round pick, Norris Trophy winner, P.K. Subban. Drafted Max Pacioretty. Drafted Ryan McDonough. Drafted Brendan Gallagher. You know what, Steve? I'm going to say it's a bunch of BS that Trevor Timmons didn't do a good job in there. Okay? When you work for 20 years for an organization, you're going to have a lot of good players that you drafted. You're going to have some players that you missed on. That's as simple as that. But for some people to tell me that Trevor Timmons didn't do a good job in scouting, it's like, I'm sorry, I'm not buying it. I'm not listening to it. And to me, when you have the benefit of Jeff Gordon, who has a lot of experience, I think it's a great opportunity. First of all, it's a Montreal Canadiens. They're, they're committed to, 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 to being the best they can be. And you got Jeff Gordon there. Sorry. I think it's a very appealing job. Can I throw in Mikhail Sergachev? He drafted him. He, he's not the one who traded him for Jonathan Drew. <laughs> and he didn't trade Patrick Reddy. He didn't trade Ryan McDonough. Yeah. Right? And he didn't trade P.K. Subban. I'm just saying there's a lot to go. I mean, you look at Caulfield and you look at Romanov and, you know, everything that goes into it. So I'm just saying, like, we, like Ken Holland said it best. If you're in this long enough, people are going to be able to take a look and say, I made a mistake there. You made a mistake there. And what Kenny always says I, I want to have more successes than failures. And I think when you look at Ken Holland's record over the years, yeah. remember people were slagging Kenny Hall. Yeah. Like really. So it just, when I've realized this, it just seems that nobody's immune to being slagged if your team isn't doing well. Right. I, but, and I think people like, I don't think people understand that too. Yeah. Uh, and the time we've got left, kind of like rapid fire, bits and bites, a whole bunch of little things that are going on. Uh, I guess let's start. Connor McDavid on Sunday night gets five in a game for the uh, hit from behind that leads to some power play goals. I love Dave Tippett, but I disagree with Dave Tippett the way I disagree with Rod Brindamore. There, there is a professional conduct on the bench, and the league didn't like how he acted the other night on the five on three on Alexi Protus when he, it was a broken stick. Rod, I love you. That's not professional. Like a referee doesn't mean you have the right to berate me and abuse me. Uh, society's changed because I've got the zebra stripes on. Doesn't mean you are so angry at how I've done. First of all, I'm right anyway, and you can berate me. He should have been thrown out of the game, Rod Brindamore. And because it's one veteran referee there, he didn't, and he gave Rod the, the benefit of the doubt. Well, in this case, Dave Tippett was upset. Connor McDavid it was a five in a game. For, it was Adrian Kempe, I believe. He was bleeding. It's the rule book. He's gone. And Connor, that's the right call. And that call will protect you someday. It'll protect you someday and prolong your career because I hate hitting from behind. Somebody said the other night when uh, Vinny Trocek Saturday, he had a hit from behind. I hate hitting from behind, Craig. I, I do. If we had to start a league from scratch right now, I'd say it's unacceptable. You know, a soft gl- guiding someone in, I might tolerate. I think hitting from behind is dangerous. And someday, God forbid, 
somebody's not going to get up. And, and, I, and I don't like it. So in this play, sorry, Dave Chippett, you've got way more on me as a player and as a coach. That's the right call. And the Oilers didn't deserve to win that game anyway, and they lost. So my little rant on this play was, it's the right call, and it happened. And it can happen to Connor. And they called it, and they made the right call. As they made the right call in finding Rod Brendamore, in my humble opinion. No, no, Steve, I'm 100% with you, okay? Just because, listen, this has nothing to do. The right call is the right call, okay? And what, and, and, and Connor McDavid, I went through this a couple of years ago when Connor McDavid made head contact with Nick Letty. And, and do, do you know some of the comments I got? Do you know how much Connor McDavid does for the game? Oh, I forgot about that. I guess he shouldn't be suspended for making the head the principal point of contact. Like, this has nothing to do with what he does for the game or how great he is or anything. Th- that is the right call. And there's no and, – and, Steve, this is what I love about Major League Baseball. You know what they do? You're out of here. You're out of here. They don't put – and I think that's exactly what – I think the NHL – I think Gary Bettman should go right to the referees and go, you, you, you should never be subjected to any type of abuse like that. Throw the coaches out of the game. Throw them right out of the game. Because what you're going to do is when a coach has to leave the game, you're really hurting your team. So therefore, you, you think they're going to act like that? No. The fine money is nothing. Throw them out of the game. That's what hurts them. Yep. And, three- and make them walk across the ice. <laughs> and three ejections i don't like saying ejections because it's a misconduct in ours three misconducts is a one game suspension i love steve like i'm on board with you there's there's no way you should be uh, treating officials like that you can disagree with the call you can do it in a matter but like no way and i agree with you Connor mcdavid deserved to be uh thrown out of that game knee on knee we've had two this year high profile knee on knees uh a less high profile on Sunday, but since you and I have done so much television together and how we've been taught in Department of Player Safety, the trolley tracks, leaving it, sticking out your leg, it, it, it's hard only because I walked myself with our buddy at the Department of Player Safety on Mayfield uh, and Barkov and uh, Hawk and Paw and Dowdy and, and thought, penalty in the moment, not suspendable from how I understand the rule book. And teach me if I'm wrong. Teach me if I'm wrong. In this situation, on Sunday, there was a Neil Pionk knee on knee or knee to thigh with Rasmus Sandin that looked like he raised and moved over. Is that different? Is is that if that was on Doughty, I think Hockenbach or Mayfield did it. I think they would have been suspended. This feels different. I, I know it's hard. It's only because I'm trying to absorb it. Because then you know what they do? They call me Monday me and Bruce, then I got to answer them, Craig. So help me on this day, understand what, and you've seen this before. It's, I know it's not black and white. It's 50 shades of gray, like the novel that we wish we wrote. Anonymously or with your name on it? Well, anything to get me money. I heard that Brian McFarland's dad wrote the Nancy Drew books, right? I'm just saying. But he didn't get the, he didn't get the big money for it. But Fifty Shades of Grey was was wrote anonymously at first before they revealed who the author was. Oh, you didn't know that? No, I know my wife read it. She thought it was outstanding material. <laughs> I'm just letting you know. And then, and then, and then, anyway, that, that, that's all. That's all. Everything that goes with it. Anyway, yeah. at the end of the day, and, and, and I say this at the end of the day, you know, th- th- this is where you know we're going to have an opinion on the rules. Okay, so you know the. the 
this is my PSA for the video rule book. They have lots of examples on the video rule book, what it is, right? It would be so easy if every single play was exactly the same. It would be so easy, right? Anybody would be. And this is one of the real difficulties that the Department of Player Safety has is trying to say, okay, how much off was it? Like, was he in a direct line? Did the leg come up? Did the leg go out? Like, could he could have he taken a different angle at it? So I think there's so many layers to it. Like, Steve, like where I find myself is on the obvious ones. I'm like that. I'm like, oh no, that's that's head contact or that's a hit from behind, right? Like, but to your point about Fifty Shades of Grey, there's a lot of times there's gray, and because you know we see it and, and we see it fast, and then we get the chance of replays. Steve, you've seen lots of replays in your day. Continue to see them. You see it from one angle, you go, oh, that's it. You see it from another angle, you go, oh, I'm not so sure. I know how hard you look. I'm like you. I look at, I look at, I try to look at the video from all different angles. I try to go, and I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, I'm not so sure. Let me see that angle again, right? And, you know, you're trying to get the different views. Uh, You know, I think that in this case, you know, it's, like, could they have the suspension? Yeah. But could they not? Yeah. And that's, that's like, I think that that's where the Department of Player Safety talking within their group, talking within their group. And and remember, like, we see these, they track every type of play that's on, on the margins, on the lines, right? The, like the, there. So they can look at another one. We, you can look at the two obvious ones, Barkoff and Dowdy. But now they can look at other ones and go, okay, like, is it like this one? Is it like that one? Is it from last year? That's the benefit they got. But I, I, I don't think it's an easy one. I don't think it's an easy one, one way or the other. I really don't. Yeah. And I think Brian Burke had a great line. Don't get on me if, if it's three or four games or zero or one. The difference is how Lyco and, you know, 20 games for swinging your stick or, or, or a $10 fine. Whoa, what are you talking about? Like when you're in the neighborhood, um, Hey, you know, it's like the stuff with PK Subban, what's been going on lately. Yeah, with the slew footing. Yeah, you know, I like I saw the other night, I thought this was the one that broke the camel's back and then feathers. <laughs> I guess I was wrong. I thought he hit him in the thigh and knocked him down. I thought he was going to get a game for that. So, um, you know what? 50 Shades of Grey is a great way to sum up sometimes the sport. Um, not everything is always black and white, except when we have to go, apparently, Craig, as Bruce kind of says, we're, we're at time. But, but, okay, we're at time. But you know what was black and white? What? Jeff Molson and Francesco Aquilini saying, we need a clear-cut change. There's no more Fifty Shades of Grey here. We're going in a new direction. Clear, clear that they were not happy with the performance of their management and in the case of uh, Vancouver, the coaching effort. Well said, my friend. Episode 19 is in the books. Cool button. Uncensored hockey podcast. We'll see you later in the week. Peace out. Ciao.